Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official show of uthdynasty.com. Got some great premium podcasts coming out uh, this interim period before we really get cooking with 2020 NFL activities behind, besides opt-out lists and COVID lists and and all of these things. Uh, we're getting close, uh, close, close, close to, to real activities on the field practice-wise uh, heading towards week one. But in the interim, uh, I'm, I've already recorded, you can see probably eight to 10 running backs for the 2021 class out with their spotlight, really early spotlight shows. And uh, wide receivers are getting going just now, uh, but the same thing, probably have eight to 10, then maybe two or three tight ends. But um, looking at this class, because we actually got, and I guess this is a good place to start, Katie, that Rashad Bateman, uh, you know, to use a to use a segue here, opted out of the 2020 season. I've already recorded his preliminary, and now what it looks like until he tests, I mean, this is pretty much going to be his profile because uh, his collegiate production with opting out of the 2020 season is complete. TBD, how much production and what sample size we see from other players uh, with the, the moving target of college schedules, Katie. But uh, this is something I think we're going to end up seeing in terms of 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 top players and potentially saying I don't see a lot of upside if I am projected to be one of the top players at my position. We've seen a cornerback and uh, we we may see other skill positions that we care about for Devi and Dynasty follow suit. So yeah, that was that was big news. It's not that surprising that there's going to be some college kids that follow suit and do the same type of thing. It will be interesting to see the effect on how they do at the combine, how well they train during the off season, uh, where that puts them in the NFL draft. Does it make them higher, lower? Um, you know, if there is even a college season to have, uh, who even knows at this point? But he was a big name, big Debbie name, and a lot of people are saying wide receiver one in that class. I disagree with that statement. I do like him, but I've got him more like four or five. Um, but big name for sure. Yeah. And I'll tell you like this year is going to be wild. If we get, especially if we get subsets of they didn't play their last year, some did. Uh, what if we get an overarching, no one played. I mean, for those that look at, you know, age and curves and all these types of things, I mean, this will pretty much be the first time and fingers crossed the only time if, if we were to go down that rabbit hole of basically not having a sample size. And I think for college scouting, you know, for, for, for us dynasty folks, especially it's going to, for early drafts, uh, there's going to be more and more responsibility, onus, uh, benefit, I think, to those that have been tracking these players for their entire careers, as opposed to those in January, February, March of a process where they didn't see college football the previous fall and trying to play catch up. I believe that that catch up is going to be even more uh, pronounced than it is in your typical year. Well, yes. And you also have to 
uh, factor in the knucklehead factor some of these guys are going to be all to their own devices and probably get into some trouble between now and when they should be going to the combine uh, and that's just going to add another layer like if that makes them an undrafted free agent because of that but yet they've got the skill set to have been a second round pick where does that make them land Isaiah Crowell type in a in a rookie draft yeah, and, and one more thing on Bateman specifically, and again, we got months and months and months uh, to to get this down. I mean, I think, you know, people saying that it's wide receiver one, I even though I, I certainly have my favorites, this is poised to be one of the more competitive, especially if you have some players playing and some people some players not. Um, one of the more competitive one through five, one through eight uh, draft classes, especially if you get the juniors that are good enough and warranted to declare early, if Basically, you know, if many of them come out, it's poised to be a very hyper competitive top of the board where many classes you see that, um, but it might be two, three, four. And I think the the sheer number that are sort of in play to jostle and fight for those positions, it's going to be very competitive. In oh, yeah. Uh, and there's guys that we don't even know of right now that could rise if there is a season and have you know the come out of nowhere they always have one or two guys that just come out of nowhere seemingly and that have done almost nothing and now they're going to get the chance to do something and that really is a i will say it's horrible news though for those that if they they don't get to play specifically whether it's their team their conference whatever and they don't get that opportunity this could be the difference between having an nfl lifeline and and not basically yeah without that opportunity it feels like it's been three years ago katie but believe it or not last week on the show we did not cover damian williams opting out Uh, i believe it happened a little later in the week than tuesday night but it seems like if you go on twitter yeah and he's already don't say he's already dead and gone well if you don't say that clyde edwards alaire is a mid first round dynasty pick uh redraft pick and basically throw all heaping praise upon him, then you will not want to check your mentions for a decent stretch um, after you click uh, submit on that tweet is all I will say. It seems like we are definitely in the two camps variety on how we should be reacting to this. So here is your platform. You can rewind the tape. I don't know if it's changed at all, but what were your thoughts and what are your thoughts for Damian Williams opting out and the Chiefs backfield? My my thoughts on Clyde Edwards-Alaire have not changed a bit. Uh, his opportunity seemingly, and I put that in air quotes, people, listeners can't see me, but you can, Chad. Air quotes, mm-hmm. seemingly, he's in the driver's seat now, and anybody that had Clyde Edwards-Alaire ranked up there to begin with had him in the driver's seat. They weren't worried about Damian Williams, period, anyway. Um, and so... There's, there's still some free agents out there that they could end up signing if they feel like their running back room needs some more health in the backfield. With all of the ups and downs that are going to occur this season, it wouldn't surprise me. Devonta Freeman, Lamar Miller, uh, who else is out there that's a name? Um, I think Jonathan Williams is trying to get back in. Um, I mean, just any number. And I'm not saying that's a threat to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's just another body that they would be signing. But depending on who that body is, it could very well cut into his time. I like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but I still like Jonathan Taylor better. 
and I still like DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. And now um, his price has gone up even more, and so, you know, that makes it less attractive. Right. And I would say, I'll start by saying this, that his um, his fan, dynasty fate, let's say, in terms of the initial acquisition period is largely complete. Uh, for So we are talking in late July, early August, this time frame, where if there is an adjustment people are making based on this, that the uh, I was going to say the odds are your, <laughs> your, um, your rookie draft is complete for existing dynasty leagues. I would say, yes, there are August startups, but a lot of startups, uh, and just look at the, the sheer number of days and months that you have, Many of them are, you know, people get that itch right after the NFL draft if they already haven't been doing it, or even if they did one previously earlier in the offseason, that the longer you go past the NFL draft, it turns to redraft season. It is not technically right now dynasty season. Everyone is looking ahead to the season with a similar lens. Obviously, we value players and have different scopes of how we look at things for dynasty, but we're looking at the current season coming up. Uh, in terms of the 1.0 focus uh, and our valuations and all that, as opposed to more speculation and big picture macro stuff as you go January through, <laughs> through I don't know, let's say June, June, early July, something like that. And I'll say this. So for folks that it seems like people are reacting strongly to this and like you said, I mean, it must be, it, it, it's really redraft. You know, if, if you're sitting there going, chat, it's redraft. It's, it's redraft. This isn't really a dynasty thing. But if there is dynasty movement, I'll say, is it really a 28-year-old running back that hasn't, yes, he's done certain things in certain games, but to say he's truly an established, productive player in the NFL, I don't think that's true. And to say that he is the reason, him being out of the picture is now the reason for eternal optimism is I don't, I don't think that is what is like the dynasty perspective. Like that's not, that's not really a take or an adjustment that makes sense to me. I'll, I'll just say it that. doesn't make sense to me either. But when you see on Twitter, somebody trading Jonathan Taylor in a first for CEH, right. that to me is just an abomination. And or Dobbins in a first. It, or any of those four, uh, Swift yes. in a first, Akers in a first, anybody in a first for CEH. I've seen other trades where it's multiple players and it's just insane. Do you think, let, let's assume that, that CEH is quote unquote rising right now. And he was what, on that one, two kind of turn in, in Dynasty Startups? Does right. Does that sound about right? Yep. If he, did you think that was appropriate? No, no. Okay, so that was too high. So obviously now if he's bumping a few spots above that, then that's obviously too high for you too. Um, and, and it sounds like, so the big part is because when you look in a startup draft, you're stacking them up within rookies as well. You say, well, you know, what rookie is that? You know, and you sort of need, you put that in a relative. So if you have others, if you have Jonathan Taylor and others, it, it, it within the running back group ahead of him, that means Edward Solaire should be what later second, third round. Oh, even does that sound even third, fourth round? Okay. Yeah. All right. So so that sounds because again, you if the if you say why well, have Cam Akers over him, 
then obviously in a startup draft, he would need to be behind Cam Akers wherever that is. So that so there's sort of some some pivot points there. And I think there's just, I mean, this anointment that he's going to come out rocking and have 18 touches, including seven, seven uh, receptions in week one. It's just a tough ask. And I just, I wonder when this shine, I mean, I, I was corrected because apparently Reggie Bush was like this. Um, I don't specifically remember Reggie Bush, but I do remember Mark Ingram. And when Mark Ingram came in, the Saints drafted him late first round. And all of a sudden it was like, he's going to be Emmett Smith. He is going to be hyper productive. This is the, the golden goose in terms of running back, landing spot, what a profile. And he's just going to be churning it out. And we had, we had some running back by committee stuff going on. We had some durability going on for Ingram. And Ingram was a highly productive multi-year player at Alabama. And it was really four or five years before he, quote unquote, got cooking fantasy-wise and started producing. And he's had quite a run. But it's been more of a mid-career slash later career run for running back production that I just think this anointment of it's the perfect glory landing spot and anyone with a pulse is just going to walk in and start producing big things. I I like I like specifically two running backs. It's all about price. So I just I like Daryl Williams. I like what I saw from him. I know he was blocked. I liked what I saw from DeAndre Washington with with the Raiders, and I was really curious where he was going to land. And I was like, man, he landed with the Chiefs. Ah, you know, like that's so blocked. And that was Edward Hilaire arrives after that. But you know, I, I'm digging those two prices because they're super cheap. I mean, they could be on the waiver wires right now in specific formats, and yet Edward Hilaire, you got to step up and take them. 101 and that's that's sort of the divide for me it's like where do you think there's the most bang for the buck especially if you're if you're you're taking a waiver wire claim or throw into a trade where you're like i don't really have i don't have to get this right till the end of time like if williams or washington is like the de facto 1a for even a game or two i mean what is that worth i mean how does the market correct by game three if that's the environment yeah, it's just a huge ask of a rookie period, but then you have a rookie in a COVID-shortened, no preseason, you know, the training camps are not the same. Uh, there's there's going to be people that are going to be in and out. The offensive line could lose one or two guys to COVID yep. right away, and then, you know, everybody's saying... Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't have to block the way that Kansas City runs their scheme. They don't ask <laughs> right. the running back to block. Well, guess yeah. what? Even, even, you don't even if it's know. only 20% of snaps, it, it still, trust me, it matters. It does. It does matter. And Patrick Mahomes is the golden boy. And if you miss one assignment and he ends up getting laid out, that's yeah. not a good thing. And, Dar- and, and Darryl Williams was playing on passing downs last year. DeAndre Washington has played in the NFL a ton in those situations, more so than anybody else. Darwin Thompson, for how much I bang on him, I mean, he was at least in that system. He played last year. So there's, they're absolutely this year, I think, more than any other, there's an incumbent factor. And it just comes down, again, I, if you want to say, man, I want to take Clyde Edwards-Solaire at 104, 105, I'm fine with it. I'm absolutely fine with it. You know, if you want to say, if you want to rewind the tape and say, Josh Jacobs was going... Uh, you know, what late first, and then right after that, you had uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know, he went he went to the Chiefs late first last year, and now we're talking about who should go one on one last year. Fine, 
absolutely fine. Let's have that discussion in retrospect. But, you know, and put ourselves in that moment in in May 2019. But that's not where we are. We're in 2020. The class is way better, especially at running back. And it's way better throughout the, the early to mid first round range uh, for rookie drafts. And to me, it's just a different conversation because we're not talking just 101 versus 101. We're talking 101 versus the field in, in two very different polarized years uh, of rookies. That's my biggest problem. Yep. So again, I, I'm this this you love them, you hate them, all this kind of stuff. It's also comparative. It's it's also comparative to well, what is the dynasty landscape? You know, I mean, if you rewind a few years where you had some some relative bust classes and you had a bunch of 27, 28 year old running backs and Edwards Hilaire comes in, yeah, I'd have them higher than I do today. Why? Because there'd be less. 21 to 24 year olds that in my opinion are better players they might not be in as good of situations tbd on that but uh but but again i think in dynasty man you bet on situation especially with meaningful capital i mean again what do we do with our waiver wire right we bet on situation right well, largely right it's but like oh he's about your cheapest this week. way to do it yeah, let's take let's take a let's take a shot. Let's take a shot on situation because the last three to five to eight or whatever roster spots, yeah, they're gonna change over. They're gonna be pretty darn liquid between now, mid season, the end of season, especially rookie draft time, all this type of stuff. But you get, you know, your top guys, you're spending high first round picks, uh, even some second round picks, man. Pff, you you wanna chase situation all day? Please be my guest, but I think it bites you in the keister far more than it's like this situation was so great. The the player was not as good as the situation, and it still worked out really, really well. I don't I don't think there's a lot of those stories. Right. All right. That was that was a lot of this. Uh, Antonio Brown, eight game suspension. Um, talk At a to, minimum, there still may be more I, no, I coming you. down. Yeah. What's that? And he's not. And he's not. You're right. And he's, and not, he's not, not even signed to, yet. So yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, so without a team, eight games. How do you, I know you made a trade today? I did. So start with that today or yesterday. So talk with that. Talk about that, but also talk about if people are asking you regarding roster size or maybe they're not able to stash him on some sort of non-active list. How much are those factors ter- in terms of can you even really keep him through this suspension to see how it plays out? Yeah, this the the league that I made a trade in is twenty-five man roster with a two-man taxi squad, but it has to be a this-year rookie that you draft, not somebody you pick up off waivers. The way that the... um, I have a very, very strong team. I had Antonio Brown last year, so I kept him through the whole thing. I was offered something for him uh, a little while ago, but at that time I wasn't ready to pull the trigger. I wanted to see more where the dust was going to settle. Now that we know that it's for sure at least an eight-game suspension, and then there could be he could be facing even more discipline after that. Uh, but then on top of that, he's he's not signed right now. And given the fact that it may even be a no-go for the season, I wanted to. My team is really really strong, but it was in the middle of we were re- restarting the draft. The rookie veteran free agent. Everybody rolled into one. Three rounds have already gone off the board, but it's been a month and a half since the first three rounds, and Damian Harris was available. With the Sony Michelle being on the pup, and, you know, I like the talent. I still like Damian Harris as a football player. You know, I figured I would rather have him 
especially if the season just gets no. You know, that makes Antonio Brown a year older. He's still facing a suspension. He's still possibly even facing more of a suspension. So many unknowns. And I have such a strong team. I figured bolster it with, with a running back that I like that I knew that wasn't going to fall to me in the fifth round. I didn't have any fourth-round picks. Uh, so that's what the trade was, straight up. Yeah, it feels like a no-brainer um, in terms of what you were able to get. Um, I think that's maybe within reason, something in the third-round rookie pick valuation range, which is kind of where we've seen Damian Harris sag to at this point. I think there's so many variables with Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah. Like, that, like you mentioned that the suspension could be longer. But also, let's picture this. Let's say he ends up having an eight-game suspension at some point. Let's say he signs with the team. But does he show enough? First of all, does he make enough of an impact this year to hold him – you mentioned 25-man rosters. Right. I mean, there was I think no way that I wanted to, to hold him for yeah. that. I think you got to be close to 30. I think redraft, if you've got no place to stash him, it's basically impossible because this year more than any, you may need every single possible oh, liquid yeah. roster spot for even one week to get you through or to have a spot starter. That might be the difference between holding a player you really like but yet you're going to start a zero at a certain position in a redraft uh, sprint that then you got to try to pick up your guy again the next week, you know, or who knows? I mean, you may be down to every single last spot three, four, five different times once we get rolling. So redraft, I I just, I I don't see a way. And then also for dynasty, man, let's say he does get signed. Does he do enough between whenever he starts playing and the end of the year, first of all, to matter. Second of all, to garner, oh, yeah, I'm confident now you're going to be in the league in 2021. Right. Then let's say he doesn't play. Let's say the suspension moves to 10 games or 12 games or whatever, or the season stops by the time he's really ready to play, um, whatever week that is. Then you've got Antonio Brown of basically, what, nine, 10 months before you say, uh, is he really going to stay on the straight and narrow be signed? Is he going to make it through my rookie draft time? Um, you know, like why I went through all this work, all this roster spot allocation for this amount of time, I still have nothing. He still is not able to be traded for almost anything. And now is he really going to be, you know, on the straight and narrow line to get all the way to feeling comfortable next July, August, and into September of feeling comfortable that he's going to be a contributor and a, a, a good percentage of what he used to be because now it's been multiple years since he's played basically i don't i, I, I don't trust that he's not going to blister up his feet trying to work hard right. to come back i don't <laughs> trust that he's not going to have another hissy fit i don't trust that he's not going to go off the deep end and you know start cussing right. out whatever his new teammates or coach or idle times for his mind that you don't trust Ex- exactly exactly it was a good out and i've been biding my time waiting for the right opportunity and i figured I really like Damian Harris. No, I can't put Damian Harris on the taxi squad, but getting him that late, now I can take somebody that I did get, like an A.J. Dillon. I got him earlier in the draft. I can put him on the taxi squad and see what happens. Katie, I'm a listener, and I have Antonio Brown in a couple leagues. It's 28-man rosters. I can't stash him, and I want to get out. What what, What do you recommend I shoot for? I would try for... Try for a, a. You probably can't. 
you're probably going to have to cut anybody anyway, so it would be for a future pick, and I would yeah. even take a third at this point. Okay. 21 thirds, send send those offers around to see what I'd almost rather it be a 2022, to be honest, but okay. if you can't, if your league doesn't go out that far, then a 2021 third. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then it sounds like you'd go also some of the backup running backs in that range ilk just because they have a chance to obviously benefit from an injury or COVID or something like that and provide starts for you this year. Right. Or if you can take Antonio Brown plus another piece and turn it into one small upgrade, I would even do that so that, yeah, so that you don't have to cut the new guy that you just got. Because if your rosters are that tight that you're going to have to cut Antonio Brown, you don't want to trade for a player that you're going to then have to turn around and cut. So taking a player that you would probably cut plus Antonio Brown trading up for even a slight upgrade. A player you want to keep? Yes, a player, a, a a player, player that's that above you want to keep. Lines. Yep, exactly. Okay. Uh, do you have a team with a notable positional weakness? And uh, if you do offhand, you know, what's, your, what's your, your plan or timing on how you plan to, to play that weakness? I guess I would say in start one quarterback leagues, I've got two leagues where I have one viable starting quarterback and I either don't have any backup or my backup is not somebody that you would normally want to hand the reins to. Jameis Winston. Well, no, not even that bad, but... (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) But, uh, so I guess that would be one that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, so you actually don't have... I actually have a couple leagues. One, I think one was I took over as an orphan. And then another one, I had Jameis Winston and somebody else, I think. Or, or maybe it was Jameis Winston ending last year. I took a stash on Stidham. So again, we'll see. So I actually have a couple teams, I think, that I don't have a starting quarterback right now when to start one. And I haven't really... You know, I haven't been exploring much of anything because... Let's see. The dust hasn't uh, settled so yet. What, so Why yeah, would so you trade I, for what, somebody what, right now? Yeah. My advice to folks would be, especially if it's that quarterback in a start one type situation, don't pretend like you got to make a move. You're still not setting lineups. You're still at least a month away. Uh, and it may even be, who knows, later September. I mean, we're still kind of, we're still treading it, treading it out here. And I'm sure by week one, there would be some current backup quarterback that's actually a week one starter based on something, based on something occurring leading up to the week, a player's still out that you're going to have a spot start from. I mentioned, you know, if you have a stash on Stidham, who knows? He may be the starter. Cam may not work out. I mean, that's a a very binary. If he's on the team week one, you figure he's going to have a big role and or be the starter. Maybe not, but, um, but you know, let's see how this works out. I mean, you may have a backup or two right now that is ends up being a strong starter for at least one game. Uh, and and in a start one, there probably will be a week one option out there on the waiver wire, I would imagine, in most depths. Um, but if you have a weakness, uh, I see a lot of people go, man, what am I going to do at running back? And it's like you look and they're just littered with some of these 2020 rookies and maybe some guys, you mentioned Damian Harris and others, that you say, man, there's a very simple story to where they're viable and a starter for you and a starter in the NFL with a pretty simple story. And I just, so people need to, you know, not super react to that type of stuff because we got a long way to go. And you might have two or three auto starts by week one. You might have two or three auto starts in the first few weeks of the season um, that you just don't see right now because they're not easy. You know, one of the 
20 to 25 let's let's call it clarified backfields how they sit right now in early August when you have uh, injuries from acclimating to practice and working out and we haven't had any of that stuff going on yet I mean a Darius Geis situation of all of a sudden you're out for the year and the starter may or may not be on their their current roster so um, there's so many situations like that and I would say just you're still slow playing a notable positional weakness because whatever you have could still actually be the answer is what I would say. And here's my reaction as I sip on this beautiful cinnamon <laughs> fireball straight up uh, whiskey because it's so good. Uh, this is going to be a crazier season than we have ever seen in the history of fantasy football. The COVID-19 is going to put a kibosh on a lot of plans. You will need to be patient and the owner that is more patient than the other owners is not only going to win short term, they will win long term. Because in Dynasty, the last thing that you want to do is short sell a guy because you have to fill a roster spot or dump a guy off because, you know, you liked him as a rookie, but oh, well, I've, you know, I've got to get somebody to start for this bye week or whatever. But it's kind of like playing chicken with holding the match and who's going to let that flame get right down to their fingertips and, and actually burn them. Yeah. Which owners are going to let go of that match before you? You don't need to settle your, your starting lineup. If you've got no quarterback or one quarterback in a start one quarterback league or you're short on any position, look around the league because there's an owner that has stashed probably six or seven quarterbacks. And guess what? They are going to have to drop at least a couple of those guys, at least yeah. a couple of those guys, when they have to pick up some backup running backs, backup wide receivers, or backup tight ends due to this COVID crap. And then you can pick them up off waivers for free. You didn't even have right. to make a trade or make a move. Just be patient. And it's the same thing with okay. running backs. It's the same thing with wide receivers. Look at the owners that are hoarding a certain position and wait them out. Can I tell you, Katie, I could, I had to use, again, I was, we, we did a, uh, uh, expert auction over the weekend okay. with the, uh, the flex I, I bet that was fun. And it was, um, well, I, so I, we had a great time hanging out on zoom and we did the, you know, the auction was through, you know, software. So we all had our computers up and stuff. I could not believe <laughs> that one of the dialogue points, and I, I didn't say anything, but man, could I, um, that they were legitimately talking that, Man, you've got to have more quarterbacks than ever before. This is they start one, Katie, with 18-man rosters. That's just insane. And, they, they, and I sat there, and I was like, this is hilarious. Like, they were bidding up. Like, I, I really thought it would stop at some point. It didn't stop. Uh, that people with a – they spent up. Somebody spent up on Lamar Jackson, and what do they do? They spent up on Dak Prescott. Like, it was unbelievable. But there, there are – there's a team with four quarterbacks – there are multiple teams with three quarterbacks, and it, it like you what you, the phrase you just said, which is they will be dropping those guys. Invariably, they won't have any no choice. There's no chance. There's enough. There's enough quarterback carnage. There's no chance. There's more quarterback carnage than when you put together running backs and wide receivers, tight ends, all of those in aggregate. Especially when you have you know full starting lineups, flexes that need to be addressed in shallow redraft. That, that you're going to hold on to your third quarterback, there's no chance. There's no chance you're holding on to that third or fourth quarterback 
very long at all. And I'm just smirking as I'm seeing these these the, the everyone talking up the fact that you're gonna need you're gonna need all these quarterbacks to get through the season. You're gonna need running back and wide receiver and tight end long before you need that third or fourth quarterback in all likelihood. I mean the probability. And guess what? If you get three of your quarterbacks out with with COVID or an injury or whatever, and you're down to that fourth guy, <laughs> I don't think your first thought is gonna be. Well, gosh darn it! I'm glad I exited the 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 auction back in in early August with four quarterbacks out of 18 spots. That no way that's going to be your reaction to that. Oh my God! All right, um, what is uh, your biggest strength in dynasty leagues, and how do you maximize its impact? My biggest my my personal biggest yeah. strength is yep. my strategy, my ability to read through the bylaws and figure out the gotcha to my league mates, whatever that may be, the scoring settings, the uh, just the ability to take advantage of, of the rules and uh, understanding what is in a startup draft especially, uh, which positions that you can fade based on the scoring system or based on how many are starters, the, the depth. I mean, just the strategy is my biggest, that's my biggest strength. Yeah. It's the knowing your league and knowing how to leverage that. Exactly. That good? Exactly. Yeah, sure. And one, one example, and I know I've heard you talk about it before, is especially when we do uh, interrogation room or startup centric shows, is the difference between, you know, two tight ends with, you know, premium scoring even added on sometimes is a, an environment where you say, I can't be light at the position. Whereas start one, a lot of times you say, hey, you, you can be okay. You know, there can be viable guys off the waiver wire. You can roll with a committee. You can take some some shots and not be too far behind a lot of teams in your league, whereas that's just not the case in two tight end. So that can be also, uh, you know, just one simple example of where the format, especially if you're not super familiar with it, um, even if you're not, I mean, you better get up to speed in a hurry because the startup is is now, and that sometimes can put you way behind if you're not really addressing certain positions that, that warrant it. Yeah, and I've been with this podcast for a little over five and a half years now, and I think that the listeners understand that Katie Flower my biggest strength is strategy and when they ask me questions on twitter it's usually strategy type questions and i'm i'm not a um i'm not the person that dives into uh you know the scouting yes through debbie but i don't do rankings i'm i've got no interest at all in doing rankings I do have favorites. I do have guys that I'd rather have than others. And if you had to pinpoint, you know, do you like this guy better than this guy? Yes. Well, do you like this guy better than this guy? Yes. Okay, so then you would rank them this way, this way, this way. I guess so. But that could also (laughs) change depending on the format and everything else that's going on with it. Um, I'm not... And as a a host, I've learned... There's, there's certain types of questions where I know you're I'm just, just like, well, that's not it. really. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, like- <laughs> well, that's not really. You're not going to really give a big take because it's not the the question and how you think of running your teams because you're running your teams and like you and you made a great point if you don't make rankings which by the way <laughs> it is a it is a yeoman's task that is largely uh, I would say it seems mandated right <laughs> on sites and stuff like that but it's like it's a lot of freaking work it's a lot of freaking work to do it and maintain it and frankly I don't think you know every dynasty owner out there needs to have rankings because that's not how you function doing a startup draft and especially in existing leagues you don't need to have a full set of rankings to do, to do that for your own league, for your own team. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I would say 
I am really comfortable and I really enjoy the, the scouting process and evaluating incoming rookies and building my team through those means. So how do I exploit that? I make sure that I have a lot of picks. And having a lot of picks can mean making trades because you have lots of picks. I know that that flexibility provides you. If you've ever been in an environment where your next pick, you really are trying to trade up and your next pick isn't for a round and a half, um, good luck. It's going to be tough for you to make a trade, whereas if you have two or three picks in many rounds of your rookie draft, you will have no problem moving around the board and you can be as aggressive, as conservative as you like because you have the liquid capital that everyone's thinking about right now that they may not want your player X and the pick in a round and a half to move way down off of this current pick. Um, so I know I function better uh, in, in trading when I get picks and, and when I give away less picks than, than the picks I get or move up in rounds, um, all those types of things. And it's because I've you know, uh, done a lot of data tracking of my own deals and how I function. And more and more, I'm pressing the gas pedal on, on that, s that singular thing that I, I have had better results with than let me trade picks for players. Let me trade a player and a pick for a quote unquote upgrade of, a, of an existing um, veteran player. Those are things that it's not like I'm, I'm losing uh, in the macro view, but I have more trades that are less optimal for sure when they're constructed in that fashion. Um, so again, comfortable with picks. And so I'm trying to find ways. I think there's actually those, it was years ago when they made uh, little avatars and mine was the uh, beaver, I think, where it was like, like the Parsons one was like, hey, you got any more of them rookie picks? That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm always asking people, hey, give me a fourth, give me a third. Let's go third to second on this. Oh, it's almost done. Like, how about you throw in a third? We got a deal. Like, I'm just always trying to figure out more ways to get more because you get to rookie draft time and you can put all that, 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 good analysis and evaluative um, uh, ventures for hours and hours during the process actually into fruition and pick players that you like. Um, what would you say is your biggest weakness in dynasty leagues and how do you minimize that impact? I think my biggest weakness would have to be, even though I'm a very patient person, when I feel that a player is a hot potato I may end up selling them too soon for too, for not as much. Like, there's a good balance. You have to try to find that balance between determining whether a guy's a Fugazi and you you want to just get out. You got him at a, at a decent price, and now he's hit. I'm going to trade him. I'm going to upgrade, and I'm going to get out. Sometimes I get out a little bit too soon on players, more so than I like. Like Christian McCaffrey, for example. Uh, I got a decent price for him, and I ended up winning the championship that year, so I guess it wasn't a bad thing. But for the pieces that I got right now, it's like, man, Christian McCaffrey. Like, why yeah. did I do that? But if, if yeah, I don't believe don't... in a player for the long term, that's, that's you know... And, and you're not always going to be right one way or the other anyway. I, I understand that. But that's where I'm hardest on myself is the what might have been. What if I'd have just kept him? Right. So it sounds like, yeah, doing the hot potato where you might view it the, a hotter temperature than other people, even if there is some general global concern out there or you feel like there's a way to exploit the market because you view them as hot and 
but it may not be a hot in terms of man it's gotta be like right now right. it's more it's of just a i can the- see trading them in the next 12 months or six months or a little longer leash than maybe you give them that might be choking their neck right it sounds yeah like. okay um yeah that's a good one uh mine would be uh and this is something that i have definitely so- uh, let, let's see. What's a good way to put this? I have definitely made myself more restrictive on what to pay, when, and for what players, the profiles I'm seeking. But I used to have a really bad habit of filling a need by being super aggressive in season. It, it used to be I had three, four years in a row in like one or two leagues where it'd be like I was just chasing running back production. And it's partly because I was not drafting enough of them in rookie you mean drafts. You weren't growing them you know, organically to build. I know <laughs> I, they were GMO. Right? I was doing the GMO <laughs> route for for running backs, and it was like I could never get it right. A shocker, right? You know, I I try to buy these these players, and they weren't all old or anything. Right, I, but I you were trying to thread the needle. But, but yeah, I, but I was trying to band-aid it. I was trying to to fix it, and really, it's kind of buying on credit. You know, it's like I'm trying to fix this. But I'm really doing it by selling a first-round rookie pick for the next year and getting a player that it really is about the next month was more important than the next two or three years. And when you're trading a first-round pick, it should be with a longer-term lens because that's the lens you're going to have about the player you would select with that with that pick. So that was really a big thing that now... And it wasn't the strongest profiles I was buying. It was very microwave and short, short-range vantage point. And so now... I'm really sensitive and I'm more likely if I get in negotiations or a trade discussion with another owner about a player that is more of a bridge type that I'm looking for a deal. And I have played hardball two or three times this offseason where I didn't get sucked into paying their price, even if it was, um, I thought, reasonable. Reasonable, I got a contending team, boy, it would be nice to add that player. But realizing this player is not someone that's highly you know has a high level of appeal around the league globally. So I had the I would have the the owners come back and circle back cuz they knew I was at least quasi interested and I ended up getting a better price days later, weeks later, months later. I mean, just being more agnostic with if if the deal comes back around and it's a a, a price point that I'm more uh, more likely to pay or especially let's get a few weeks into the season and then let's see how I feel. I may not want them anymore, uh, you know, or they they may have gotten hurt. They may not be productive. There's so many avenues that make that deal kind of go away naturally that you're just not as interested, or you might be interested, but the price is going to be a fraction of what it might have been back in April. So I just I, I'm really being careful about hey. There's a bunch of, say, older running backs or bridge wide receivers or don't get locked on to one of them and say, I got to pay this price. Shop around with all of them or just wait until September, October. It's bound to be one of those team, dynasty teams that have that guy falling out of it. And all of a sudden now they should be cheaper than they were, even if that guy is producing new landscape new price and new marketplace. So reassess and just being a lot more patient with that. "Ah, I got to fix it. Ah, I got to fix it type thing. Yeah. I mean, there's so much in play that with what you just said, Chad, that is awesome. And a couple of points that I wanted to reiterate is always make sure that even with bridge players, that you have a tier, that you have a group of players. You'd be happy with any one of those players but this is the price, and then shop around and and find which player at that price that you can get. 
and then you're you're good you plug that spot so let's say that it's like julian edelman larry fitzgerald uh randall cobb or whoever your subset whatever your tier of wide receiver bridge players aj green uh and even a super bridge julio jones is starting to be more and more reasonably you may even be able to upgrade just a little bit and get julio jones so make sure that you've got a tier make sure that you've got a plan and that you're going to stick to that plan shop around big 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 thing in dynasty don't just deal with one owner Um, make sure you're mixing it up with others and then uh, the other i'm trying to think what was my other i had one more other good point and i forgot it um, well, I was talking about chasing positions. I'll try to jog your memory. Chasing positions, um, oh, filling needs yep. okay, thank you. in an aggressive yep. fashion in the moment. So, so that reminds me also because when you shop for that player, it could be right before the playoffs, and there's no guarantee that they're not going to tank. Everybody says, well, you know, you got to insure yourself. You, you get a chance to make the playoffs and you got to insure yourself the, the championship. There's no such thing. There's luck involved. And if you happen to hit on the right player, great. But the process is still the same. You want to make either a dynasty trade or you want to make a trade that makes sense that you're not going to sell the farm, the future, everything for that one player. They could get hurt the very next day. They could be covid the very next day whatever they could just go silent they could have a bad game and boom you're out round one of the playoffs so everybody's like you think that you know this guy's hot right now i'm gonna trade for this guy because he's hot you know that doesn't always work i have i have one valuable i have one story that's exactly what you just said I and and I'll reference this till the end of time. And thank God I made a dynasty trade. I still don't like it. Still wasn't the greatest deal to make, but I was a team contending. And I was right there. I had a relative black hole at tight end, so we can all of a sudden all we can already roll our eyes because it's a start one tight end league. And you can say, hey, if you're dying on the vine, start some guy on on the off the waiver wire. Do the best you can. Hope for a touchdown and move on with your life. Is what you could do. Absolutely viable. I traded for OJ Howard. I was making a dynasty trade. So, you know, so he's still a young player, obviously with Gronkowski. It hasn't worked out perfectly, but he got, but I traded for him. He got, he got injured the very next game, the very next game. So I was without him that entire stretch run. And you were without whatever asset you traded. Yeah, exactly. And luckily, it ended up. I traded a. Uh, I was a high, a strong contender. I think I, I might have got. I, the, I finished really well that year. But the, the point is that trade had no part of it. The, the trade had no part of it. And again, I, I still think you know OJ Howard is a guy that right now. I mean, yes, he's worth less. Yes, the perceived part with Rob Gronkowski. Um, but I still think again, he's a round one tight end. He's shown enough in the NFL. We have not heard the last from OJ Howard. Like this is the story is not written, and it might take a change of teams. Who knows? Uh, but plenty of talent. I'm sure we're gonna see maybe Eric Ebron fashion something bigger and and in the future. Um, but but again, I mean, think imagine if I had done that trade for someone much older, much you know on the you know what if it was for Delaney Walker, you know, or something. I mean, there are way worse outcomes that I could have done from that. But also, it's at a position that doesn't really let's let's face it. Many of 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 the players don't really move the needle all that much. Last one, uh, last question for the week, Katie. And if you got final thoughts, throw it on throw it on after this question. 
Uh, so, cause now we're in this window of, I would say the next two, three weeks where leagues do need to make plans. Dynasty leagues need to have some sort of, Hey, if we have a partial season, what are we doing with it? Are there any of your leagues that have adjusted their rules or settings for this year specifically that you either firmly agree with what has been set into motion or that maybe you don't agree and here's why uh, with with how things are maybe in a state of there's two or three different possible outcomes here with length of season and our, our dynasty teams? Most of my leagues have done a very good job of accommodating a shortened season, the what-ifs, you know, do we go with the double headers and then does that constitute a season at week six, week seven, week eight? What is it? We all voted. Everybody came to a consensus. So for that part, I don't have any qualms or disagreements with. The one thing that I would like to recommend that leagues consider, the opt-out deadline is this week. I believe it's Thursday now. And if you've got however many XYZ Either take your opt-outs and put them on a taxi squad so that you can't confuse them with IR. They're holdouts. They've got the H. MFL has given them a separate category. But give your holdouts, the guys that are opting out for the entire season, give them a separate category or make your IR unlimited to those players because nobody wants to drop them. There's very few opt-outs that you're going to actually straight up just drop. And... If you put them on your IR and then during the season you've got some three or four week guys that are out for the two to three week, four week, whatever it ends up being, you don't want to drop them either. You want to make sure that IR is deep enough. So what I recommend or say and agree with very strongly, make it unlimited for guys that were on your roster when they opted out. You can't just pick them up off the waiver wire and then stash XYZ shitload amounts of guys that are opting out, but if they were on your roster by the opt-out deadline, unlimited. If you've got three or four, fine. If you've got ten, put them all on the taxi or whatever your special opt-out, and then keep your IR separate because in-season, you're going to need and want enough flexibility, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and yeah, I do. Th- I, I prescribe exactly to what you said, where even if you set it at like, oh, we're going to expand IR, it may not be enough for certain teams in your league. And I think a provision of saying, you know, if they're on, if they were on your roster, like you said, you, you aren't picking them up, t- picking up five, six guys from the waiver wire. Yeah, you are like, it's like, well, now I have three. Well, two weeks from now, now I have five. What if then three weeks from now, what if you have eight? I mean, and this might be a rolling thing. And the nice thing you know, with the opt-outs, you know by this week who's opting yeah. out. You'll know that number. Right. And, and you, you may have five or six teams that have zero. You may have a couple teams with one, but you may have one team that has three or four. And if you have some strict limit where they can go on the same as, as, as COVID, as IR, and all these other things are all combined – you either need to have a high enough number that it's unlikely anyone get there, but maybe have a provision. If you actually get there with your own players, yeah, we're going to bump it up. We're going to stay flexible with this in season because it's not like Chris was was picking up guys every week that were already you know declared out and just so you could stash them and then maybe if he wants to put them back active after they come back or whatever. But it's like it's not really gaming the system, but you legitimately this year might have teams that – one team or two teams in your league that might run into this this issue in a, a categorical fashion. So my final thoughts, um, a 
I believe it was last week I mentioned that I'd been coaching one of our listeners through uh, his first Debbie league and maximum of six on the taxi squad. He finally had his Debbie draft and uh, just big shout out to John. We had wonderful banter back and forth. There were even times where he pushed back and was like, man, why can't I take this guy? Why shouldn't I take this guy? And it's like, look, dude, it's your team. I want you to be happy with the players that you take. Yes, I'm the diva of Debbie, but I am not going to tell you that you have to take this player. I'm going to recommend this is what I would do, but your guy is close enough in rankings and uh, talent. If that's your guy, dude, put your pin on him and go take him. So, John... Uh, great conversations and he really he also helped me with my spreadsheet the uh, information that I've been building for uh, the 20 year window of five star four star three star athletes and how they end up in the draft and that kind of stuff so thank you John for all your help and uh, I think you killed your Debbie draft excellent well done absolutely um, do want to remind folks, uh, no advertising, but if you want to support the show, Tim Torch is over doing the weekly uh, featured podcast over at patreon.com slash UTH. And I put out a number of bonus content. Um, I've mentioned before, there's a VIP tier. It's at the all pro level and there's a VIP chat. Um, so we have a lot of discussion going um, every single day that that I'm in there. You know, we're passing back with some of the, some of the great dynasty owners out there. But also uh, there is a strategy session conference call. There's one coming up tomorrow, which is Wednesday night. Um, there's been it's going to be monthly in the off season but I can imagine you know April May you know having more than one show um, more than one of those strategy sessions as well as in season it's going to probably be weekly where we talk about waiver wire and trading and just getting everybody on the the best page possible to manage your dynasty teams and and have terrific results with a collaborative um, group think environment of of helping each other and it's just an extension of the chat so that's going to be available whether or not you can make it live but we try to put it late enough at night where most people can make it um, but that audio recordings there as well so that's just a huge perk I, I'm, I'm really excited we've already had one and again in August we'll have at least a couple so it's a great time early in the month to, to sign up to patreon.com slash UTH so Katie Flower um, you mentioned I mean if you need advice uh, hit up Katie especially you know rookie Devi um, strategy team construction all of those things uh, to have some great dynasty results she's on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler 399 I am at Chad Parsons NFL until next time never settle Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.